When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. On today's episode of the John Campia Show podcast, with Dune out of the running now, the strikes are really poised to really upend the best picture race. We're going to talk about how also new casting rumor about the Fantastic Four. One of the stars of the bear could be playing the thing. We'll discuss that. Also, Ahsoka debuted on Disney Plus last week, and it roughly, according to Deadline, opened to the same numbers as Andor did, but about 50% less than Obi-Wan did. Also, James Gunn just absolutely trashes the old Batman movies. We're going to talk about that and a whole bunch more. The John Campus Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campus Show podcast. Coming to you from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but giving you guys some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Uh, joining me in studio, we got Ray Ora. Turtle Power. Over there, we got Jonathan Voico. What he said. Uh, the day after her birthday, Chris Carr. Hello, everybody. We are all living in the Chris Carr birthday month. So every day will be a celebration. It's day three of Chris Annika. We're going to have dancers come in tomorrow. It's going to be amazing. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here, making this show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. As always, we're going to start off by talking about those topics that I listed off. And then we're going to go over and start taking questions and topics from our YouTube channel members, which we do every day. For those of you who are watching this show on YouTube, just want to remind you that we primarily do this as a podcast. And we have a podcast feed simply known as the John Campus Show Podcast. Go and find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app of choice. We put the sh these shows on. We put open mic on that podcast feed. So, you know, if you're commuting or you're jogging, you're at work, whatever, and you need an audio-only version, the podcast is there for you. All right, guys. With all that down, let's jump into the first topic today, and that's this. So, it was with great sadness that the report came out that despite what IMAX's president said just two weeks ago, that Dune ain't moving... <laughs> Dune moved. Dune 2 has been pushed, what was it, four or five months? Four and months. we got pushed to four March months, of yeah. 2024, which, by consequence, means it is no longer eligible for the upcoming Oscars. Now, we've talked on this show about how Dune had to be considered a frontrunner for Best Picture, Best Director, probably going to get a lot of the you know technical awards like it did, cinematography, visual effects. I mean, it's going to be a frontrunner for a lot. The last Dune film won six Academy Awards, which led the Academy Awards that year. And so it was really considered a frontrunner going into this year. Well, that's gone now. So not only does that open up the best frontrunner spot, it creates a new spot in the 10 nominees that we're going to get. So now a film that wasn't going to get nominated for Best Picture is going to get a chance. But here's the thing. 
with the strikes going on, that top 10, because it was ultimately because of the strikes that Dune had to move to 2024, because Dune has a, I don't know if you noticed, a whole hell of a lot of top name big brand A-list actors in it that they definitely want to lean into and use to promote the film, but they won't do that while there's a strike going on. So they moved it. But that also means that the strike's ongoing. There are other films that are currently favored to get a Best Picture nomination that could also move and how that could shake things up. Let's take a look at this. We're going to go over to Variety. We're going to base this one right now on what Variety, after Dune has been pulled out of the race, what Variety sees as the 10 front-running films to get those 10 Best Picture nominees. They are Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Saltburn, which is a film that has not come out yet. It's about, you know, uh, privilege and whatever in the English countryside. It's going to be one of those kinds of films. Mm. Barbie, the upcoming Adam Driver film Ferrari, the Korean film Past Lives, uh, a new uh, Natalie Portman film, May-December, which is coming out, the new Paul Giamatti film, The Holdovers, which actually looks really good, to be honest with you. And then The Color Purple. Mm. Those are the ones that they're predicting right now. Oh, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. These are the films that they're predicting, which love seeing Across the Spider-Verse on that list, are going to get the spots. Now, what happens, though, if any of these get delayed. Obviously, we don't have to worry about that for Oppenheimer or Barbie. These are films that have already come out. But Killers of the Flower Moon, right? Granted, this is an Apple-produced film, and they may or may not care about a big promotional tour. But you do have one of the most famous, iconic, Oscar-winning actors in the world leading that film in Leonardo DiCaprio, you also got Robert De Niro in the film. Do you not think that a Killers of the Flower Moon with Leo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro doing publicity and getting out there could help the film? Of course it could. Now, on the other hand, you also got one of the most iconic, famous Mount Rushmore of directors, Martin Scorsese, directing it. And guess what? Directors ain't on strike. So you could still have Martin Scorsese out there stumping for the film and, and pushing it and promoting it. So... I mean, I personally think Killers of Flower Moon will still get its release even if the strikes are ongoing because you got Martin Scorsese and it's Apple, which has never really done big promo tours anyway. But with De Niro and uh, DiCaprio in there, who knows? Uh, obviously, Oppenheimer's out there, Saltburn. They haven't even had a trailer for that out yet, so we're not going to worry about that. Barbie's already been out. Ferrari, Adam Driver, Hugh Jackman. I mean, they're playing at the festivals right now. They're playing Ferrari, which I, I read some, some, I was going to, I wanted to ask you about this because I read mm -hmm. some members of SAG were kind of upset that Adam Driver is permitted to go and promote the film at yeah. the film festival saying, yeah, we get it. It's a, it's a wavered project, but why can he promote his film and I can't promote mine? That, that, that sort of it's thing. It's a but, very tenuous subject right now. Yeah, Which could bring up things about, well, maybe Adam Driver decides I shouldn't be promoting this film or whatever. And if that happens, that's your big name. You got Hugh Jackman in there too. Do they bump Ferrari? That could potentially open two spots. Past Lives is already out. May, December. Uh, it's going to be a Netflix thing. They won't care. <laughs> so that, that doesn't really matter. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is out. Color Purple is interesting. Mm -hmm. Because Warner Brothers is putting out Color pu Purple. And they've already, well, they moved Dune. So they're not adverse. Uh, here's why I don't think the Color Purple would get bumped though. 
unlike Dune, which is stacked from top to bottom with huge names that would probably carry some weight out on a press tour, one of the neat things about Color Purple, as amazing as it looked at CinemaCon, is that it's not really stacked with household names. No. You know what I mean? And so it may not hurt this film as much. And most importantly, the most important name attached to this movie is not in the movie. It's Oprah Winfrey. And she's a producer of the film. She's allowed to promote the film. She is gonna. And she's gonna. She's Everybody look under your seats plan. because yeah. Oprah's got a surprise for you. So I, I've got a feeling that even though Warner Brothers is pretty quick to pull the trigger on delaying this. They don't like the strikes. They don't like not being able to promote their films, and all that kind of stuff. I have a feeling color purple is going to be safe, but you never know because so let's theoretically say here, Chris, that color purple, uh, killers of the flower moon. And what was the third and Ferrari? Mm-hmm. Let's say these three films get bumped. Well, all of a sudden now there's four of the contending top 10 best picture nominees out of the race. Now, Variety suggests this, that these films are the next in line to take any available spots. We got Bradley Cooper's Maestro, uh, Zone of Interest, Emma Stone's Poor Things, Dumb Money, which looks so So good. good. I cannot wait. This has got Seth Rogen. It's got, uh, I almost called him Paul, not Paul GMI, Paul Dano. Uh, that looks, it's about the meme stocking of GameStop and AMC, and it looks incredible. Air, which I personally think should be a nominee anyway. Everybody's saying great things about The Bike Riders, Anatomy of a Fall, uh, Freud's Last Season, Fair Play, and a movie that a lot of people have been telling us about, Blackberry. Canadian-made film, I still haven't watched it. I got to get on that one. And then they say, you know, Outside Runners, all of a strangers, Napoleon, which I'm surprised. I thought Napoleon. That's what I was going to say. I figured I thought, that would be a contender. I agree. hundred percent agree. Uh, Iron Claw, the killer, which their first trailer with Michael Fassbender just came out. Uh, Rooston, the boy in the boat, Bear, a few other things there, but we're talking about, let me ask you this theoretically, Chris, let's say that those three do get pushed mm-hmm. and they may not, or maybe they do and more get pushed, but let's say for right now, those three, let's say color purple, Killers of the Flower Moon and Ferrari, for argument's sake, let's say they get pushed into 2024. If that's the case, that opens up three new spots for a best picture contender. Mm-hmm. Which of the three of what Variety lists as next up do you think could get those three spots? I, mean, I really think Napoleon should be higher up here because that's <laughs> the one. That is that is classic Oscar fodder, you know, typically, and Variety even said this in a recent article of theirs, historically, best pictures have always been either historical period pieces or things laden with wonderful tech. And that's usually who the awards go to, right? Your Titanic was a combination of the two, or you have things like Lord of the Rings Return of the King or things like that. This, I feel, is poised to jump in there. And it looks epic from what we've seen. Could, so. could it be that the the, the panel of Variety are a little bit gun shy about it because let's be honest, Ridley Scott hasn't had other than the Martian, but he had, um, house of Gucci. Yeah. Which wasn't, I liked house of Gucci, but it wasn't super well received. Uh, the last duel. Mm-hmm. I liked the last duel, but it was not super well received. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, you had the Martian, then you had a litany of about four or five films before that, that a lot of people didn't like. So could, could it be a little bit more nervousness about the it current state be. of Ridley Scott? Just not wanting to pull the trigger on that because, you know, in recent years we have seen a bit more of a growing t- trend of 
director's not always nominated with their films. Right. And that's starting to happen a bit more. But that could be why they're a little gun shy about it. I think Maestro is another one that is a great contender for this. Um, again, another period piece. I think that Bradley Cooper's directing is just phenomenal, too. I think he really, really sings when he gets to direct and write and work in a vehicle. He just does an excellent job. And I think that is going to be a powerful film. Um, and the, gosh, what else do we have up here on these? Well, like, I'll bring up my list here. I Josh. really like Air. I love Air. I, I love Air. It's one of my favorite films. Freud's of the year. Last Session. That's just like, again, that's Oscar bait right there in the title. But <laughs> Air is really, really well done. Poor Things is interesting. And I feel like that is the kind of art house film that could make its way in there, mm. you know, especially with the rise of everything everywhere all at once, because this is a very stylized, interesting kind of sci fi ish. Existential you know the feelings film? I get when I see the trailers for Poor Things? What? And this isn't a good thing. Oh, no. It's the same kind of feelings I got trying to watch trailers for The Lighthouse. I'm like, I don't know what this is. And then you watch The Lighthouse and you're like, I still don't. I this saw is, it and I still didn't know what it was. This is great acting, but what the fuck is happening? Yeah, what was that? <laughs> and I, I kind of get that same feeling with Poor Things. Dumb Money, though, is one I Dumb think Money would be, be a cool one. I, I am interested, though, the fact that there's already buzz around May, December... Yeah, 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 because it's so it's it's based on a the screenplay is based on a novel that's loosely based on Mary Kay Letourneau. And so it's and Natalie Portman plays an actress who's coming to interview the woman who went through this relationship, which is played by Julianne Moore, Julianne Moore. Yeah. And, you know, she's married to somebody who has a huge age gap with her. And by the way, from Riverdale. I know it's Reggie from Riverdale. Reggie from I Riverdale. I love him, honestly, though. <laughs> I was so sad in that um, Owen Wilson movie, the superhero one. That oh, with the kid, the secret yeah. lip or something? When they, spoiler secret everybody, spoiler for that movie that came out months ago, right. when they killed him off, I was like, no, oh, yeah. let him have a good thing. Let him do something. Of course, the question I have is who did he get to have a foursome with in Riverdale? Because that no seemed to one. be, Reg nobody? They didn't let Reggie have a foursome. Hashtag justice for Reggie. I know. Anyway, everybody okay. else got did to. Did you guys notice under all eligible titles, did you guys scroll down a little bit? Please don't say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Turtle power, baby. What else is, I don't see it. <laughs> Which one are you looking at? Uh, You're always trying to ruin my freaking moment right there. What is it? Does it say right Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? It does say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Where? What way, number? All yeah. eligible okay. titles. All eligible. Oh, yeah. all yeah. eligible. Yeah. Oh, so there's that always means that they had like 400 movies yeah, there. Literally yeah. everything released. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. what? So what? It I was a movie. It By the way, Cocaine Bear is on that list too. So oh, well, you know what? Cocaine Bear. Way to ruin my shit. Sorry, I didn't think it was actually going to be. I didn't think you were actually talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Or that it would be that far down on the list. It's listed under eligible. Eligible. <laughs> not it was likely. A movie. That, not front runner. Not a possibility. And not it's only down there because of Paramount, all right? Eligible. Though, right? Yeah, whatever. It's like a participation Whatever. It's shock the world, baby. You're going to shock the world this year, baby. Shell shock the world. Oh! There we go. Woo! <laughs> Wow. Hey, see? You said something that actually is meaningful today, John. <laughs> oh, he is salty. <laughs> salty. Um, and listen, a lot of people, again, a lot of people have been talking about Blackberry. And I, I still haven't seen it. I want to see that movie so bad. I can't wait for really it to hit streaming already for free, though. It looked, honestly, at John's place. At John's place. <laughs> it looked like one of those movies that some poor, struggling trying to make it director made and is standing on Hollywood Boulevard selling DVD copies for five bucks on Aww. the street corner. No, but that's, that's kind of yeah. what it came across as. Right. But then uh, we have a bunch of our viewers have written in and said, John, 
this movie is amazing. And so I, I and this Canadian thing. So yeah. I should probably check it out. Guys, question is for you. Let's say a couple of those movies. Let's say the strike continues to mess up this potential, you know, best picture race. Which films do you think you could see sneaking up into that spot? Maybe a couple of them, maybe none of them. Whatever you guys think, jump into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. <clears throat> All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? Absolutely nothing is happening in the world of movies right now with all the strikes going down, production shut down, scripts aren't being written, you know, there aren't pitch meetings, aren't happening. Uh, so it's, it's kind of at a standstill. But one thing everybody still loves to talk about is Fantastic Four casting rumors. Yeah. There have been more Fantastic Four casting rumors since the strike started. By the way, I believe we're on day 114, if I'm not mistaken. I think we're on day 114. I could be off by that. It's but been eight to seven years. Uh, but and yet the casting rumors, even though there is no casting going on right now, but the casting rumors continue to churn. Interesting one came out. Now, we've heard a lot of casting rumors about Reed Richards. Uh, it still seems that Adam Driver might kind of be the front runner. That's some that rumor seemed to have been debunked, but now the debunking seems to be getting debunked. <laughs> anyway, who knows what that's gonna happen? Then we've had a lot of talk about Sue. We've had some talk about Johnny Storm. Haven't had a lot of discussion about the thing, other than this real bullshit rumor that was going around that Seth Rogan was gonna be the thing. Seth Rogan's not gonna be the thing. Um, oh my god. But imagine. other than that, who who could play the thing? Now, I'm going to say this, <clears throat> as bad as the original Fantastic Four movies are, and they're pretty bad, I got to say, the casting of Michael Chiklis mm -hmm. as Ben Grimm was kind of inspired. It really was. I think he was a great Ben Grimm. I thought he was wonderful. And I didn't even mind the casting of, uh, oh, uh, the second probably best mocap artist other than Andy Serkis, who, who played the thing in- uh, Oh, who was the Silver Surfer? No, 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 no. Or, he was he was just played the thing in the most recent Fantastic Four movie uh, oh. with Michael B. Jordan. Um, Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell. Yes. Thank you. Tintin. Um, Jamie mm -hmm. Bell. I I love the I love the different kind of approach to a Ben Grimm character. I I kind of I don't mind when when um, studios want to take you know a different take a left turn where everybody goes right take a left turn yeah. and they did the character a little bit differently. Unfortunately, the movie didn't work out. But there's a rumor going around right now that. The Bears, Eben Moss Backrack, may be in the running to play Ben Grimm, The Thing. Now, that's been coming to us from, why am I freezing out his name? He worked with us at uh, Clyder, who's in the Schmodown. And, and Schneider? Yeah, Dan, uh, not Dan Schneider. Uh, that's uh, a, I was going to say, that's a very... Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Jeff <laughs> Schneider. Person. Jeff Schneider, right. Dan Schneider was the, was the owner of the Washington Football Club. Um <laughs> So Jeff Snyder has, has broken a number of big things. He's also got some things wrong. Uh, for instance, he said, uh, what's his name? Um, the dude from The Boys, uh, Quaid, Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid. Mm -hmm. He said Jack Quaid was going to be cast to play Human Torch. Jack Quaid quickly came out after that. I said, that's not true. So uh, that happens. But he has gotten a number of other things right. And he's saying that he's heard that Eben Moss Backrack was going to be the thing. Now, whether that is true or not, let's put that question to the side just for a second. We'll get back to that. Let's talk in theoreticals here for a second. How would I feel about an Eben Moss backrack playing the thing? I think it would be fantastic. Be fantastic. First of all, he's just an incredible actor. 
He's phenomenal. If you have not watched The Bear, you must watch The Bear. He is one of the, and his character is probably the most raw, most real feeling character on that show. Like we all know this guy. We all know at least one of these guys. He's He's got, he's incredible in it. He just had a really small, good, funny, small part in No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence that he was really good. But by the way, he was in John oh, was he Bernthal. the tall man? Yeah, he was the tow guy. <laughs> he was also in John Bernthal's Punisher. Remember in that? I, I didn't watch the Punisher. Oh, so. you didn't see Punisher? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. you watched Punisher. So yeah. It's really good. But anyway, so he's in that. He is absolutely terrific. And by the way, you know, a lot of talk about, oh, and of course in Andor. He was fabulous in Andor. Which one was he in Andor? He was the one Andor had to kill. He was oh, one of those fellow right, guys right. that wanted to pull the backstab. Mm-hmm. But lest we forget... When we're talking about Fantastic Four, you know, there are whispers that Reed Richards is going to be played by, um, why did I, I just said his name. Now Adam Driver. Adam Driver. <laughs> Adam Driver and he worked together in Girls for a while. We could see a girls reunion on yeah. screen. We could be looking at Reed Richards and Ben Grimm right there. Yep. He's got that roughness. He's got that gruffness edge kind of thing to him. He's got the, he can carry out the attitude incredibly well. He's a fabulous thespian. I think it would be a marvelous choice to get him. Oh, that said, I don't know that I believe any casting rumor at, at this point. Again, listen, if Jeff Schneider says something, it may or may not be true, but it's at least worth taking a look at. Doesn't it remind you of the a- Apple TV Plus commercial where everyone's like, I got a series of uh, Timothy Chalamet. If you haven't been rumored oh, yeah. to be yeah. in Fantastic Four right now, then you might not be yeah, a you great actor. Not have <laughs> if you haven't been rumored for at least one role in Fantastic Four, you probably aren't a serious player in Hollywood at this point. But I think he would be great. Uh, I'm going to go right now and say, I don't think this is going to happen, mm-hmm. but I would be all for it if it did. Chris, what do you think about this rumor? I would love this. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's such a great actor. And he does a great job, too, playing a lovable asshole. (laughs) Yes, that's a good way to put it. He really does that really well. And I think Ben Grimm needs to have a little bit of that energy because he has to call out Reed on his bullshit constantly. Just, you know, hey, maybe also the greater good doesn't mean we murder people, Reed, because (laughs) the Fantastic Four comics get dark, y'all. Illuminati stuff is wild. But wasn't there just a rumor recently, too, about Jeremy (laughs) Allen White? Being cast as the thing? Are they just going through the bear call sheet right now, figuring things out? Like, is Lionel Boyce next? Which would all, another great casting. I love him on that show. But it just feels like right now it's, hey, there's this show that people like. Put that person in this thing that I want. And that's that's all casting is, right? And that's great. But, you know, right now, I feel like we're just grasping at these little straws. You know what's a good it. show is Suits. Maybe they should cast anyone from Suits. Anybody from Suits at all. I Meghan even... Markle should yeah. be the thing. Oh, <laughs> Perfect. Let's do it. Some people kind of think she is already. Oh, anyway. oh she's gorgeous. She's I'm, I'm just saying that she's not super popular amongst certain people. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I think she's wonderful in character. Suits. I think she's great. <laughs> By the way, I don't even know that you name any of the actors in Suits. 
I watched that whole series. I couldn't tell you at all who the name of the actor who played Harvey. I couldn't tell you the name of the actor who played Mike. I couldn't tell you. The, I couldn't tell you who played any of them. I just know one of those guys was the spirit. And oh, that's I, right. That was Harvey. The and lead. I forever hate that. <laughs> so, hey, you're that suits guy. That hey, movie. suits guy. Movie, <laughs> suits guy. If, if the spirit is your thing, good for you. But that's like finally me being out. famous four years after the show went off air. <laughs> uh, poor guys. Anyway, guys, questions for you. What would you think about Eben Moss Backrack playing Ben Grimm? Listen, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But if they announce it tomorrow, I got to say, I'd be pretty happy with it. Would you? There are many other actors I'm sure I'd be happy with it too as well. What are some of your favorites? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we're going to still talk here about the opening numbers for the debut of Ahsoka. Also, James Gunn appears to be trashing the old Batman films. What does that mean? And a number of things else. But before we get to that, we're going to take just a second and thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of The John Cambia Show. Marine Lair, who, by the way, made this shirt that I'm wearing right now, and our friends at DraftKings. Guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's video, Marine Lair. All of us as guys are always looking for shirts that look good, but more importantly, are comfortable. Now, I want you to imagine the softest thing you've ever worn, and that's Marine Lair. Marine Lair is the go-to brand for great fitting and stylish closet staples. Based out of California, where we are, Marine Lair clothes are that perfect mix of laid-back style that also looks and feels premium. And these t-shirts stay soft no matter how many times you wash them. It's time to invest in a wardrobe that will actually last. For a limited time, our listeners and viewers get an exclusive 15% off discount with the code CAMPIA at marinelair.com. Like many of you guys, when I looked at Marine Lair's website, I could tell how good their clothes looked. But it wasn't until I got my hands on them and actually put them on that I knew just how unbelievably comfortable they are, which for me is the most important thing. And guys, how many times have you felt that you were in between sizes when buying clothes? What's cool about Marine Lair is that they have in between sizes. You finally no longer have to make that difficult choice between medium and large and extra large. I think we can all admit that the perfect tee is hard to find, but look no further than Marine Lair. For a limited time, get 15% off with the code CAMPIA at MarineLair.com. That's CAMPIA for 15% off your entire order at MarineLair.com. Saving your closet one shirt at a time. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, DraftKings. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years because change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code CAMP. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code CAMPIA. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And thank you to our friends at Marine Lairs <laughs> and DraftKings for sponsoring this episode of the John Gabe Show and giving me this great shirt. All right. Fingers? With all that down, guys, let's move on to this. So uh, tonight, 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 the next episode of Ahsoka airs. A new round of disappointment. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
No, look, I, I didn't love episode one and two, I, and, but I did like them. I, I liked it. It's just that my anticipation has been, and my expectations have been pretty damn high for it. And I, I, I was a little bit let down by it, but it had promise. It had promise. What's really interesting, though, is that numbers are now coming out that suggest that Ahsoka actually launched with the same viewership as Andor did, uh, but significantly less than Mandalorian Season 3 debuted with and a lot less than Obi-Wan. This comes to us from Deadline to write the following. Samba TV reports that the live plus five day viewership for the first episode of Disney plus Lucasfilm's new series, Ahsoka drew 1.2 million households. Uh, Disney plus dropped the first two episodes of the Dave Filoni created series on Tuesday, August 22nd. Uh, the second episode clocked 956,000 us households. Ahsoka is a live action sequel. We all know what it is. Uh, and then they go on and say this Ahsoka's first episode ratings are even with the first episode of the Tony Gilroy created star Wars series. Andor, which was panned by a lot of people as being a flop, uh, I, which I never understood why. Uh, by the way, best Star Wars has best thing Star Wars has created since the original trilogy is that Andor series. Anyway, which also pulled in 1.2 million households over its live plus five day Andor debuted on Disney Plus on September 21st, 2022. However, the ratings for Ahsoka Episode One: Master and Apprentice are down by 50% from the live plus five day of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which dropped on May 27th, 2022. With that Jedi force pulling in 2.4 million households, Ahsoka episode one is also down from the first episode of season three of The Mandalorian by 29%, uh, with that series from Filoni and Jon Favreau earning 1.7 million U.S. households in its uh, Elf plus 5D. The Mandalorian season three began streaming on March 1st. All right, now on the heels of that half a day after deadline put out that report uh disney put out a press release saying that the first episodes of ahsoka drew 15 million uh views and that was the headline i i, I won't forget this i got the email from their pr department it says ahsoka draws 15 million views and then the very first line of the email is Ahsoka drew 14 million views on its first. It's like, well, is it 15 or 14? Yeah. Then about an hour later, they put out a correction, 14 million views. Now, Samba, everybody has their metrics different. Samba says 1.2 million households. Disney called it views, but Disney calculates views. Remember all these streamers have their own weird little machinations of how they define a view. You know, as long as somebody watches the first seven minutes, oh, it's the total minutes divided by the time viewed. And everybody's got their own little kind of weird way of accumulating these things. But the bottom line is that Deadline says it basically drew as many households because they go by households. How they calculate that, I'm not sure. But Deadline is saying that same amount as households as Andor did, which is one of the lower uh, viewed shows that they've had, even though it's the best, by far the best. And this came in. So here's my question. Is this 50% drop from Obi-Wan, this almost 30% drop from Mandalorian season three's opening, which by the way, was already down from the previous seasons of Mandalorian. Remember we talked about that when it came out. Is Ahsoka's relative low number really nothing to do with Ahsoka, but really have more to do with the fact that everybody tuned into Obi-Wan and didn't love it. 
And a lot of people watched Mandalorian season three and didn't love it. Like is Ahsoka's debut episodes paying the price for Obi-Wan, Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian season three? Like, now granted, there's still a lot of Star Wars fans who don't know who Soka is. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that has something to do with it. Sure. The, a lot of the casual fans may not know Ahsoka. Of course, they saw her pop up in Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. I believe she also popped up in that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, may not know. So that might have a little bit to do with it. But, but I can't help but wonder, especially with the, the, a lot of the hardcore fans loving this character, if the relative low viewership numbers, by the way, Disney is still saying that even with those numbers, it was the number one thing in the world on Disney plus, not the number one thing in the world, but the number one thing in the world on Disney plus for that week, which I don't know what else would have gotten bigger numbers (laughs) than it that week. (laughs) People certainly weren't tuning in for their fourth viewing of secret invasion. Um, So, so yeah, so I can't help but wonder if this is Ahsoka through no fault of its own is just kind of paying the price for the, questionable quality of the the Star Wars stuff that we've had since Sandra. I don't know, Chris, you see these numbers, what stands out to you? I do think a lot of it is because people are a bit disenfranchised with Star Wars, which is a shame because I think you should give every new bit of it a chance, right? Mm-hmm. We do it with Marvel movies. We do it with DC movies. Well, most of us do at least. Yeah, haven't done it with and, DC in a while. <laughs> but, you know, you should, always, you should always go give it the good old college try and see if you're into what they're doing right now with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And this is, in my opinion, so far, a pretty well-executed show. I do think there are some issues, and I know that a lot of people on the internet are kind of having some issues with a few things here and there. It is uh, disheartening when you Google it and you see Reddit forums, right, of does anyone else absolutely refuse to watch this show? Okay, go touch grass. Have a better day. It's okay. (laughs) If you don't like something, that's fine but other people can like it. Yep. So I think maybe it's just people not giving it a shot after not liking Obi-Wan. And By the way, rested. big, a big surprise that in this picture, Ahsoka has her arms crossed. Just, mm. just, uh, just throwing that out there. Drinking okay. Game. Sorry, please Drink. continue. <laughs> so I think that's one thing, you know, people got kind of burned by Obi-Wan. Not everyone maybe loved Andor, which I think that was a really well done show and a really interesting way to play within the star Wars sandbox. Um, and then I know some people have thought that some of the characterizations are just slightly off, but again, it's, their characters after a bunch of things have happened to them. It's called character development. Maybe we wait and see what happens. So those could be some things. And then obviously too, just the lack of promoting these shows. I think your average kind of television watcher, a lot of times they do get notified by, you know, late night television shows and things like that. Oh yeah. Rosaria Dawson was just on uh, you know, the late show. I, I really should watch her yeah. new show. Mm. I think those are some things too, that kind of affect it too. Cause if you're not somebody who absolutely ravenously devours this kind of content, which let's be real, star Wars is a very broad fandom now. That's why we do have so many gate people gatekeeping it because there's, there's only real fans. And then those real casuals, fans. those filthy casuals mm. on the outskirts, Ew, we don't even know about Tashi station. What? <laughs> But what is that? I think your casual viewer <laughs> maybe doesn't know that this is even happening really right now. I had people over this weekend who are absolutely part of the zeitgeist and went, oh, yeah, that's out, isn't it? Mm. I think that could do something with it. So, I mean, strike could be affecting it yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, at that point. So there could be a number. People of- picking and choosing which uh, subscription plans they want and which ones they need to let go of. Too. Well, that's another thing, too. Yeah. Yeah, some churn. All right. With that down, guys, uh, let's... Let's move on to this spicy little thing. All right. James Gunn, a brilliant filmmaker, has made great films in Marvel, has made great stuff in DC, and is now the head CEO, co with Peter Safran, but one of the head CEOs, big cheese guys at DC, starting a brand new cinematic universe in 2025. 
Now, um, I, I still can't believe how many people point a Blue Beetle and blame the flopping on Blue Beetle on James Gunn. Like, you do realize James got nothing to do with that movie, right? And if it had been a billion-dollar film, he would get none of the credit. He shouldn't get any of the credit. He had nothing to do with that movie. His movies start in 2025 with Superman Legacy. But there has been uh, people who still like rotary phones uh, really just want to go back to the failed ways of the DCEU. We just want to stick with the failed DCEU and calling for James Gunn to be fired, even though they haven't made a single movie yet. <laughs> James Gunn and Peter Saverin have not made a single movie yet. And there's already a bunch of people who want to call for him being fired. Listen, I'll, I'll be upfront about it. I am a big James Gunn fan. I love James Gunn. I think he's fantastic. And I think he is absolutely 100% the right person. If DC can be saved from the way it's been run into the ground for the past 10 years, if it can be saved, James Gunn and Peter Safran are the guys to do it. That's what I believe. And I love a lot of his movies. That said, this, this little headline was been running around today, you may have seen, of James Gunn bashing on the old Batman movies. And if you're talking about the Tim Burton ones in particular, bashing is putting it mildly. Uh, he also said not, I mean, nothing really bad about the Christopher Nolan films, but, you know, he mentioned that he didn't like the first Batman Begins. <gasps> I mean, that's all he said. He just said he didn't like that film. I, th I think he's implying he does like The Dark Knight, but he didn't like, uh, he didn't like Batman Begins. Now, these come from tweets Ooh. that were people, by the way, I, I want to point this out. People are reporting that these are tweets from 11 years ago. They are not from 11 years ago. They are from significantly longer than 11 years ago. Remember, uh, a couple of years ago, James Gunn deleted all of his older tweets. Those are all gone. So where it says 11 years ago at the bottom of his tweets, that was 11 years ago from whenever these screenshots were taken. Because in these tweets, he mentions the two Christopher Nolan Batman films. Obviously, no, we know there was a third. Dark Knight came out in 2008. So in all reality, these tweets are probably more like from 13 or more years ago. Before he was ever hired to direct a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, when he was an unknown name for most people out there. But at any rate, here's what's got everybody's knickers in a twist. The first one reads this. He hates the Tim Batman, the Tim Burton Batman. He said that the Tim Burton Batman, remember, this is probably well over 13 years ago. The Tim Burton Batman is poorly written. The soundtrack is the worst work of everyone involved. And it's absolutely one of the most boring films ever. Not only that, but the reveal of the Joker as the killer. Now he sounds like one of these whiny comic book purists. I love you, James, but this comes across like one of those whiny comic book purists. Uh, not only that, but the reveal of the Joker as the killer of Bruce Wayne's parents spits in the face of Batman's origin and is a nullification of the bottomless thirst for vengeance that's necessarily drives the Batman. It pretends not to be campy, but it's completely so. And on top of everything, the dark creature of the night can't even move his fucking neck which is something everybody has pointed out, by the way. Even Michael Keaton has made jokes about that. Uh, it's a ridiculous, awful film. Uh, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes is genius by comparison. Now, the next one is him basically getting into a debate where somebody said to him that Tim Burton's Batmans are better than Christopher Nolan's Batmans, to which James Gunn takes some issue with that. Says that, Sean, A, Keaton did have a ridiculous voice. That said, 
I'd rather put up with a ridiculous voice than with horrible action sequences and acting barely worthy of the Batman of a Batman TV show. B, I have no idea how you can think that the Burton Batman has more similar similarities with Moore or Miller's Batman and Joker than Nolan's does. And listen, I have no problems or I have problems. I do have problems with both of Nolan's films. Remember, this is before Batman Rises ever came out with both Nolan films. I don't think either one is classic and I don't even uh, really think Batman Begins is good. Let's pull down my thing. But they're far superior to the first Batman, the Tim Burton one. C, none of your defenses get by the fact that despite being the first cinematic dark take on Batman, so what? Stallone's Judge Dredd was the first dark take on Judge Dredd and that movie's awful. So, in this 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 series of tweets, again, from probably over 13 years ago, before he was a major director, he said he absolutely hates Tim Burton's Batman movie. He said he didn't like uh, Batman Begins, but he seems to be arguing that Nolan's films are far superior to, uh, uh, to the t- uh, Tim, Burton. Tim Burton movies. Okay, let's unpack this. There is some ridiculous stuff going out there where now there are, well, first of all, you got to understand, there's already people out there who, who are saying because he he's not going to continue to do the existing DCEU, uh, they're calling for him to be removed, even though he hasn't put out a single movie yet. Those people are yelling even louder today, even louder today, that James Gunn needs to be fired. Why? Because 13 or 14 years ago, he said he didn't like a movie and articulated why. Now listen, by the way, I don't agree with his assessment. I like Tim Burton's Batman movie. I don't think it's an all-time classic like some other people do, but I like Tim Burton. So I disagree with uh, James Gunn here. But this was 13 or 14 years ago. It's literally just a guy saying, I hate this movie and here's why I hate it. There is nothing wrong with that. Now, had he said this today as the head of the studio that also put out that movie, that would be completely inappropriate for him to do today. And we would be having a much different discussion right now if he had said that today. This was 13 or 14 years ago, long before anybody even knew James Gunn's name. Just a dude on social media saying, I didn't like a movie. Big deal. I don't care if James Gunn come out and said, I think Star Wars is the worst films of all time. I mean, I'll think he's crazy, but it doesn't change the fact that he makes good movies and that's all that matters. I don't care what if his I don't care if the movies he likes and dislikes lines up with mine. That's irrelevant. All that matters is do I like the movies he makes? That's that's all that's at issue here. Again, if he said these things yesterday, it would bring into my judgment a great deal of concern about his, you know, common sense, about his uh sense of reading the room, about what's appropriate as the head of DC to say about old DC films. I would, it would be a completely different discussion. So I believe everybody has got to, you know, take that wadded up, you know, ball they've gotten, they've shoved up their anus. They need to pull it out. It's, it's, it's no big deal. Some dude headlines, some dude 14 years ago said he didn't like a movie. Big deal. But, but here's the thing. While there was nothing wrong with James Gunn, as some guy who was in no way connected to Marvel, no way connected to DC, just some dude 14 years ago getting on social media saying he didn't like a movie. Nothing wrong with that. And no one gives a shit about these whiners saying, fire James Gunn. No one cares about them. But 
Here's where James Gunn has just invited a world of problems into his world. And again, I say this as somebody who loves James Gunn, but I don't know if you knew this, but James Gunn is going to be producing a little Batman movie here in a couple of years. And now, as if the pressure wasn't already sky high, that you got to make the Superman legacy movie and you've got to have it absolutely kick ass. Like, hey, not trying to rain on your parade or anything, but if that movie doesn't kill it, quality-wise, mm-hmm. this thing's dead out of the water. But then you got this little Brave and the Bold, this little Batman movie of yours. Now you've got on public record, even though it was 14 years ago, all that kind of stuff, you talking massive shit about a beloved Batman movie, which is fine. That's fair for you to do. But now you got to put out your own Batman movie. And if you don't think that once people watch that movie, that they're not going to be digging up this quote from you about how other Batman movies suck and throwing it in your face, you're naive if you don't think that's going to happen. Listen, again, I have no problem that he said what he said. But I also take no issue with anybody who watches now James Gunn's produced Batman film I got no problem with somebody then wanting to pull James Gunn's old words, say, hey, you're talking shit about this other one and you made a crappy Batman movie. Now, James Gunn, actions have consequences, folks. Don't use social media. Don't use Twitter because who knows where you're going to be in seven years from now. And this is going to bite James Gunn in the ass. If this Batman Brave and the Bold isn't like the best Batman movie ever made, this is totally going to bite him in the ass and cause problems for him. And uh, probably something he should have been maybe thinking about down the road a little bit. I don't know, Chris, uh, you read this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you've seen the words James Gunn said. He's got a Batman movie that he's producing coming out in a few years. I, I don't know. What do you see as the main core of this? And what do you see as the repercussions of it? I'm going to be completely honest. When I first saw the the kind of headlines going around, I went, wow, I can't believe that he was talking so much smack recently. And then it was, oh, there are more unearthed tweets. I went, okay. <laughs> All right. Because your taste is allowed to change, too. That's the other thing here is you're allowed to, to see something, you know, over a decade ago and then go, hey, I actually feel differently about that now. I rewatched that movie. That's one of the great things about film, right, is it hits you different at different ages. And he might still freaking hate those movies. I do think it's hilarious that one of the particular Batman that he dogged on the most is one of the few saving graces of The Flash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yep. feel like that's that's a whoopsie <laughs> moment right now of, ooh, the timing of that isn't awesome. But I do understand the the issue then of when he makes his own Batman film, when he produces his own Batman film, that comparison is going to be inevitable of, hey, remember when you thought those movies were dog shit, James? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so he really does have a lot of pressure, but he already does. Batman's he already like, has so much pressure. He's like, yes, it looks like the tweet came from 14 years ago, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair, Damien. Let's go. So... I can understand why people would be up in arms, but again, it's always one of those things that he's had the pressure to to make the DCU excellent regardless of what he said in the past because everyone's taking it personally of, well, he got rid of my Batman. He got rid of my Superman. He's doing these things to me personally. He woke up this morning and said, I'm going to make that person in Topeka's day terrible. Like, no, <laughs> no. He's just trying to do his own thing. And if And if the movies aren't good, they're not good. If the movies are great, they're great. I just don't understand 
why why we got to unearth Jim's tweets all the time? I know. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's, I, I don't, I don't, I, someone had a lot of time on their hands to go find this information. Or they just, yeah, they've been sitting on that. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. people, I mean, this is part of the, the reality. The internet's forever and it's undefeated. People weaponize social media. Absolutely. They weaponize it. And they 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 use it as a treasure trove to try to attack other people with and 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 again, there are. I still remember when that first one came out, and I remember hearing the discussions and the complaints about Joker's not the one who killed Batman's parents. I I still remember. I was a yeah. kid, and I remember hearing those discussions. Right. I still remember hearing the discussions and the jokes about how can you have a Batman that can't turn his head? They still make jokes yeah. about it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you're seeing here that a lot of people said at the time. For sure. So many people always talk about the you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. If that's something that Batman would never say. But it's iconic now because of the way this film was done and executed, uh -huh. right? And hindsight gives everyone perspective on something yeah. too, right? In the moment where, oh my gosh, as comic book fans, we hate this. We collectively dislike it. And then 20 years later, oh, it's a masterpiece. So insightful. <laughs> it's, it's so classic. So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah again, I, I think this is going to bite James Gunn in the ass come time for his new Batman movie to come out because you know these are going to resurface again. You just know that they are as if there wasn't already enough pressure on the guy. Yeah. All right. Guys, with that down, we are now going to move over and start taking questions from our YouTube channel members. What do you, our channel members, and by the way, for all of you who are channel members of our YouTube channel, thank you so much for being supportive channels. We really are supportive members. We really appreciate that. Uh, but before we get to those, we're going to take just a minute and thank another sponsor of today's episode, our friends, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campus show podcast all right guys with that down let's get over to our youtube channel member questions chris what do we got up here first i mean i still don't understand the timing of announcing the dune 2 delay it was literally a day before the empire magazine spread came out which funnily enough still had october 2023 on it is it true that not being able to do ADR was a reason for the delay, or is that just BS? Fun fact, a friend of mine designed that Dune 2 subscriber-only Empire cover. Well, I mean, look, the reality is, what percentage of the movie going public reads Empire? Uh, 1%? Less? I By the way, I love Empire. I'm, I'm a big fan of Empire. But it's a niche thing. It doesn't really matter. Like, you announce when you're going to announce. As far as I listen, I'm sure that they're, them not being able to get in the actress to do ADR is an issue. I'm sure it is. But it's also an issue that could be corrected in a day or two once the strike ends. Um, I th The reason 
I believe, is that they can't get this star-studded cast out to promote the film. And they don't know when this strike is going to end. And rather than play Russian roulette and wait till you get closer and closer and closer to the release date, and all of a sudden you're pulling you know, the rug out from your release date one month before it's supposed to come out, which is going to cause a lot of problems, they decided to do it now. So yeah, ADR, there are several issues, I'm sure, but the main one is they don't have their stars to promote the film. All right, what's next? From Red One Real Talk, as a Potterhead, I've been worried seeing that Emma Watson hasn't had anything new released since Beauty and the Beast or Little Women. Any word on whether she's got something new in the pipeline? I remember she, I mean, she pretty publicly said she was going to step back for a bit. Yeah, I, she I remember, doesn't have anything on IMDb as far as planned. Yeah, now, she's had a little bit of a rough go. I mean, she had, first of all, even though Beauty and the Beast was a billion-dollar film, even people who like the film, when you ask a lot of them, say, what was the worst part of that movie? They'll probably say the casting of Emma Watson, um, which, you know, sucks because she's lovely. I, I really, I think she's a very, very talented actress, all that kind of stuff. Then she had her own headline, she's the star of the film movie come out that she did with Tom Hanks, John Boyega. Mm-hmm. It was called The Circle. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Awful. It bombed, it completely tanked, and it was her first truly starring vehicle. And, you know, she was just never really able, even though I think everybody recognizes that she might be the most talented out of the group coming out of Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe is great too. Rupert Grint is really great. But I think universally, most people's kind of thought she might be the most talented one coming out. She may very well be. But she just wasn't able to catch the right break coming out of that, at least nothing that met up with the standards of her talent. And at some point, she decided to take a step back. Do we got anything on her IMDb about what anything she's got coming? Well, she's been uh, directing shorts for Prada. Um, So she's been going into doing more directorial kind of stuff. Um, But she did do an interview a while ago for the Financial Times talking about how uh, particularly promoting films – uh, wasn't something that made her happy. And a lot of the films that she had recently done didn't really align with a lot of her own viewpoints. And she didn't enjoy, how does this align with your view when it was, well, I'm not, I'm not really part of a collaborative process here. Um, mm. Were some of the things that she kind of alluded to when talking about like what she did with Little Women or The Circle or things like that. Um, so I'm not sure of all the details That's going to make being in there. movies hard because you're expected you, to you're promote expe- your films. That's part of your contract is yeah. promoting the film. Well, maybe it's not for her. Yeah. Which would be a shame because she's really good. I really like her. Yeah, me too. All right. What's next? From Dr. Stinky. Netflix is 26 years old today. Netflix is older than me. Laugh my ass off. Anyway, in honor of its 26th birthday, what is your guy's favorite original show? Mine would be Stranger Things. Love y'all and happy birthday to Netflix. And Chris. And I, I, I really like Stranger Things. I think Stranger Things is great. It's not, to, to me, it doesn't hold a candle to things like The Crown it doesn't hold a candle. What are some of the other really big ones that they've had? Like most of the big streaming shows are HBO, but yeah. I mean, I love Mindhunter. Mindhunter was Mindhunter so great. Mindhunter was so good. All the things that I loved on Netflix too, for the most part, got canceled where Mindhunter was great. I really loved Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, and a lot was, of people love that. I was heartbroken when that ended. And then don't forget Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yeah, so that whole thing. Stuff. Yeah. Listen, forget Jessica how Jones. it ended. Forget how it ended. House of Cards was... Like the first couple of seasons of House of show. Cards were phenomenal. Yeah. Tiger King. <laughs> I mean, all their yeah documentaries. But let's go way back. How about their DVD rentals? What about Ooh. that? What making a murderer? 
That was that, a do- yeah, yeah. that was a docu series. Yeah, yeah. yeah really um, like hold on a second. Best all time Netflix shows. I'm, I'm just gonna because I'm sure I can't even remember a lot of them. Why is Google bringing up Arrow? That's not a Netflix <laughs> show. Okay, so uh, there's an article here called the best Netflix series to binge. They got Stranger Things, The Crown, BoJack Horseman is one a lot of people oh, yeah, like. Oh, the game was huge. A lot of people love Squid Game. Oh, I forgot Orange is the New oh, Black was a Netflix yeah, yeah. series. I thought it was a- HBO for So did I. Uh, Master, I didn't really like Master None, to be honest oh, with I you. I Master of None. Uh, Lupin's hugely like The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt I never really got into. Russian, uh, Doll. Russian Doll was fantastic. I was late to the party on Russian Doll. I only started watching it because that girl's now doing um, Acolyte. Face. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Natasha and Leon. I was like, oh, yeah. No, the, the, the showrunner of Russian Doll is now doing oh. the Star Wars Acolyte. Mm-hmm. So I went back and watched Russian Doll. It's so good. Um, let's see what else we got here. Ozark, Ozark is a show that a lot of people love. Uh, when They See Us was great. I never watched <laughs> I Think You Should Leave. He's a trip. Is it? Yeah. I never saw that one. What was that horror <gasps> Oh, show? I like, love Glow. That was yeah. another one of the kids. That Haunted Hill or House Haunting on ha- ha- Haunting of House Hill. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, those are so spooky. I Narcos. I love Narcos. Narcos. Narcos, Mexico. Dear White People, Sex Education. I know Rob loved that one. I don't remember The Politician. I don't remember Unbelievable. Everybody loved Grace and Frankie. I Rob loved that like show. The second <laughs> season, it got a little silly. Um, anyway, yeah, so they have, they've had a bunch. Yeah. Again, I, I think Netflix has had several things that are better than Stranger Things, but I love Stranger Things. Don't get me wrong. But yes, happy birthday to Netflix. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? From Jay Superboy. <clears throat> hey, John, just finished the second season of From. It was awesome. Pitter patter. I have not watched the second season of From yet. I really like the first season a lot. I, I keep forgetting to get caught up on that. I'm trying to get caught up in that. Uh, I still haven't watched this third season of Warrior yet. And, and they just finished the season. I got to get on that really quick. So there are a few things I still got to get caught up on. But if you haven't seen From, check it out. You'll find it. Check it out. I really, I think it's a better version of Lost, to be honest with you, personally. But that's only with one season that I've seen. So maybe it gets better, maybe it gets it's worse. It's just a network. It's on. When I tried to look for it, I was like, epics. Yeah. No one has No epics. one has epics. It's tough. So. It's tough. All right. What's next? From Patrick Reese. Hey, John and crew. Just wanted to thank you for being a comforting, stable constant for me through all the changes I've gone through in the last few years. Whenever I moved or changed jobs, this was always a comforting thing I could enjoy and that stayed the same. Oh, man. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that very much. I mean, um, now that you mention it, it's it's true. There are real some constant. I remember even back when I made my move, when I moved from Canada to L.A., uh, there were certain shows and stuff like that that just stayed constant for me that I was able to keep watching and listening and that just brought a sense of stability in the midst of kind of everything changing in my life um, at the time. Even, uh, you know, it's, it's all for the best now because as a result, I got to meet Anne. But, you know, when I first moved to LA, true story. True story. When I first moved to LA, I was dating somebody and uh, somebody I was pretty serious about too. And we were going to try to make the long distance thing work. And, you know, I I was going to spend X number of months in LA, then go back for a month and X number of months in LA, go back. That's the way I was going to do it. And uh, uh, they couldn't handle it. Like after about two months, they came out for a visit and said, I can't deal with this long distance thing. So either move back or we got to break up. And, you know, it's just the direction my life was taking me was in LA and we had to break up and I was really bummed out about it. I was really bummed out. 
and that changed when not too terribly long later, I met Ann Aura, mm. now known as Ann Campia. And uh, uh, so another thing about life working out for the best. Bottom line is, the moral of the story is, watching the John Campus <laughs> show means you will find the love of your life. <laughs> All right, what's next? And if not. And if not, I don't know what else. I don't have anything else for you. From Ariel. Uh, who do you think is the better actor, Michael Sheen Michael or David Sheen. Tennant? Wow. I recently watched Good Omens. The book was great, and I thought it was fantastic. They have an odd couple quality to them, and I absolutely love it. They're brilliant, and David Tennant is fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic. Michael Sheen, for me, I kind of put him in the same category. Though we don't talk about Michael Sheen as much as Chiwetel Ejiofor, as like the best actors in the world that nobody actually talks about much. And I remember I became enamored with Michael Sheen in Underworld when he played the leader of the uh, werewolves. And ever since then, and then of course he played the prime minister uh, for, for the queen and all that kind of stuff. I love Michael Sheen. He can do anything. He can be any kind of character at all. Hell, he was even likable in Twilight. You can't say that about a lot of people. And he worked in Twilight. You could put him in Anything. David Tennant, taking nothing away from him. He's fabulous. But uh, I, I'll take Michael Sheen. There's not a lot of people you could have put on that list that I would take over Michael Sheen. There's some, but not not many. What about you, Chris? I mean, I just really love David Tennant because I got a He's big so old good. crush on him. I love him. But they're both so incredible. And Good Omens is wonderful. Everyone should watch season so one good. and two. So good. So good. And read All that right. book. What's next? From Ulatan. I was traveling all week and rewatched Pulp Fiction on one of my flights. Oh, nice. I forgot how good this movie is and how strong the performances were. Other than Sam Jackson, Uma Thurman and Bruce Willis really stood out to me. It was quite refreshing revisiting this film and the period of time it was made. It is such a weird movie. Like it, I still remember, like when they go down to that basement, that was like some of the freakiest stuff I had ever seen at the time. Right? And I... Yeah, to this day, that movie just really, really stands out to me. It's it's arguably, maybe, some people will still put that at the top of the list of their favorite Quentin Tarantino films. Uh, for me, it's probably Inglorious Bastards, or, or actually, it's it was Inglorious Bastards. Now it's probably Django. But, I mean, it's just an all-time classic. It's great. One of, like, if I were to put together a list of 50 must-watch films that every film fan needs to have in their repertoire... Pulp Fiction would be one of the ones on that list. All right, what's next? From C. Ham. Hi, John and crew. Looks like Star Wars is going the route of time travel, maybe. Your thoughts on this and the Ahsoka show? In their defense, you know I don't like time travel. I, I think time travel is an incredibly boring, lazy story thing, which is indicative of lazy writers. But in Ahsoka's defense, if they do go in that direction, and we don't know that they are, but if they do, it's building on groundwork that was kind of laid out in Rebels, in the later seasons of Rebels, when you start talking about the world between worlds and, and all that kind of stuff, right? So there is foundation there for that to spring off from. Look, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I hope they don't do it because, again, I think time travel is stupid and I think it's lazy. But, I mean, if they do it, at least they have a built-in narrative basis for doing it. So I don't know. We'll see which way it goes. All right, what's next? From David, what do you guys prefer, Family Guy or South Park? Family Guy. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. I think at its best, South Park has higher peaks. 
like when South Park is firing on all <laughs> cylinders, I mean, it's literally got me gasping for air, like laughing so hard. The problem is South Park has always been very hit and miss. Mm-hmm. Like for every one Canada on strike episode, which is one of the best they've ever done, um, they'll have maybe one or two pretty boring ones. Family Guy, however, I find just very consistently yep. good. Like I'll always laugh at Family Guy, right? Maybe not as much as when South Park is firing in all cylinders, but it's more consistent for me. So if I had to pick, like if I was going to a desert island for one year and I could take one show to binge, Family Guy or South Park, I'm probably taking Family Guy. What about you, Ray? I know you watched both of them. I'd still take South Park only because that humor is more towards geared towards me. Yeah, I mean, me. Yeah. It, it's oh, very shock yeah. shock value. It is. A lot of their humor. And um, That I Steven Seagal episode you were watching I, yesterday I, was so funny. I can't, I can't hate on Family Guy, though, because even though I never have look forward to like a new episode because when I watch Family Guy, it's reruns and it's just on. I, I'm not mad. Like I'm, I'm still laughing. It's still very clever. Yeah. Like I find Family Guy very clever. It's just like I would choose to watch South Park because right. they're always up to date with yep. their stuff. Yeah, they literally, do you see that one documentary? They, yeah. they literally make their sh- an episode in a week. And that might explain why there's the hit and misses. Yeah. That might explain why. Exactly. Exactly. All right. What's next? From CJ Rebirth, rewatching the Batman this week. Pattinson is still my second favorite Batman behind Bale. And I love that this version had more of a detective side, like in the beginning when he showed the photographer an area of blood she had missed. Look, I am not going to say that the Batman was better than the Dark Knight. But there are things elements of the Batman that I think are better in that movie than there, than they were in the dark Knight. There are elements that were better. Um, first of all, the Batmobile, don't get me wrong. The yeah, Tumblr. Yeah. It's actually behind Chris's. Oh, yeah, behind Chris. The Tumblr is all time classic, but yeah, that Batmobile was incredible, but just the approach that they decided to take with that movie uh, was just so good. I mean, I still remember the first time we saw it, I was just gobsmacked. I was like, I couldn't believe how good that movie was. I mean, I do think it's a little too long for what it is. And there's a, I have a couple of issues here and there in the movie. 100% I do. But overall, the quality of that film, it, it just really bummed me out that we got to wait so long to get another one. I, I, it, it, I, I actually, you know what? It, it doesn't just bum me out. It bothers me. Like if, if you're going to make something and hope that the fans get really on board with it and love it, then you can't go five years in between movies. You, you uh, know what I mean? I, I think the problem with the Batman, I love the movie, but after it, I was like, how could they follow up this Riddler? And maybe that's what maybe is like one of the holdups. Like, how can you do a villain that's based in more reality from Batman's actual, what what do they call his uh, rogue? Or, Rogue's uh, gallery. Rogue's gallery. How can you bring those closer to reality? Penguin. Penguin. Oswald Cobbpot, the, like, again, we talked about this before. There's a comic run. I believe it was called uh, Quarantine or... Or It's not Court of Owls, no. No, no, I think it was called Quarantine. It's basically when an earthquake basically... They closed off Gotham from everywhere else. Like the United States just basically closed off Gotham. It was... uh, No Man's Land? No Man's Land, not Quarantine. Thank you, it was No Man's Land. And in that one, they... Like, Penguin is just really like this underground arms dealer. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what he is. And you take that approach... Because look what they did. Look what Matt Reeves did with Paul Dano and Riddler. Who would have ever... 
Who got excited when they heard Riddler was going to be the villain of the ba- of the Matt Reeves movie? Nobody. Nobody got excited. They're like, all right. But look what he did with that character. He made That's- him terrifying. That's why whenever people, you've noticed on the show, people write and say, who do you want to be the villain of such and such comic book movie? And I always say the same thing now. I don't care because it doesn't matter who they pick to be the villain. All that matters is how do they write whatever villain they pick? Because ain't nobody was excited when they announced Riddler was going to be the villain of the Batman movie. But look what they did with him. Dr. Doom is one of, is arguably one of the greatest comic book villains of all time. Look what they did with Doctor Doom when they put him in three different movies. <laughs> How come you didn't say it the same way you did with the Riddler? Yeah, because, Look what because they the game did with him. very different, right? <laughs> so it doesn't matter which character they pick to be the villain. All that matters is whichever character you pick. I don't care if it's Kite Man. Whatever character you pick, do Kite you Man. write them brilliantly? Because if you do, they're going to work. And if you don't, they're not going to work. So there's that. All right, let's take two more. What's next? From King Daddy Goat. Hey, everyone. Hope y'all are okay today. It's been a rocky three years. Lost my dad and oh, all no. of my grandparents in that time span, and movies and my sweet daughter are what keep me pushing through bad times. Today's a struggle, though. Is there any recommendation anyone can give to just get out of my head a little today? Thank you guys for all that you do and also helping me through dark times. Thanks, and bring on the filthy. Oh, I'm so sorry, King Daddy Goat. Yeah, I mean, listen, we all have days like that, 100%. And, and I've said this a lot. That is... The power of movies. Um, I I will say it probably every day for as long as I'm still doing this as a job. The one of the greatest things about movies and why I think movies aren't just fun, they're important, is that movies provide you a great reprieve. They're an oasis. You know, when I've gone through some of the harder struggles in my life, movies don't make your problems go away. Uh, But what they do is they allow your mind and your imagination to just take a break, being entrenched and enriched in something else so that when you come back out, your problems are still there, but you're just in a different frame of mind to address them and to, to deal with them. And that has been throughout my life, something that's been insanely important and valuable to me. And I know to a lot of other people and it extends beyond just the movies to the community that also loves movies. Cause sometimes if it's not a movie, it's me just getting lost in an online conversation or a phone conversation uh, with people about movies and just getting lost in that. And just talking about movies uh, provides that for me as well. So uh, for me, it's when stuff like that happens, I am going to some of my, reliable go-to comedies, whether that's a Zoolander, whether it's Galaxy Quest, whether it's 40-Year-Old Virgin, uh, whether it's an Anchorman or something like that. And it just, those are the ones that really kind of help my mind reset a bit. Do you have any movies like that for you that it's like having a really crappy day? You just feel the urge that I got to watch Oh yeah, this. I do Muppet movies. I put on I put on a Muppet Christmas Carol in July. You know, like uh, <laughs> really, I love that movie Muppet so much. Christmas I made everyone watch it with me um, <laughs> yesterday. Where I was like, "It's my birthday. I want to watch Muppet Christmas I'm Carol." So oh, glad I skipped. Um, <laughs> no, that you skipped karaoke night, oh. which was a banger. It was great. Um, 
But I, I also, in these particular situations too, because movies are so intrinsically tied also to who you see them with as well. Oh yeah, 100%. so so when I miss my grandma, I go back to certain movies that you know we went and saw together or things that she showed me. Um, so if that doesn't make you too sad, that's always something you can do. Of oh my gosh, I remember this time my dad took me to this movie, and you can go see that and re-experience that moment with them. My best advice to him, and we have another viewer, Cincinnati five star. He's uh, going through some things, so my oh. prayers and uh, blessings to him and to you. It's just to go at your own pace. If, if yeah. you know, just, just, just intake it the way it comes. Like, if you're going to try to block it out, it's still going to come back to you. You're going to, it's something you're going to have to face. And then one day you're going to wake up and, you, you know, your dad's going to say, let's go. That's, you're ready. And then you're just going to go. You know what I mean? So. And guys, with that... That'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members, number one, for being YouTube channel members and help supporting what we do here, but also for sending in those topics and questions for us to discuss. Uh, don't forget, guys, we've got open mic a little bit later today. We hope you'll come back and join us for that. That'll be a live stream later today at 3.30 p.m. this afternoon. And then we're going to be watching Ahsoka after that. So I'm sure a lot of you guys will be as well, or maybe not as many of you as we thought. According to the deadline. 30 minutes. It's over uh, time. Come on. Let's see. Anyway, so for the people in the room, Ray Ora. See you later. Jonathan Boyko. See you later. Birthday month, Chris Carr. Bye, y'all. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>